0: Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called The Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses and this podcast where every Tuesday a business owner shares their story including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robker.co.uk So in these uncertain times if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family read the book join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 32 of the Project Future podcast. My guest this week is Jane Hubbard, the founder of People Jigsaw. Jane has enjoyed a vast and varied career, but the thing that consistently shines through is her ability to make the people experience better for both the customer and the employee. In this conversation, Jane explains. Why the midlife crisis is a reflection point. Where to go from a career pinnacle. How reflecting can give clarity on your next steps. How she progressed by making herself redundant. Why you need a good number two. Why every organisation should invest in their people. Why working with integrity is a recipe for success. How you can leverage platforms to improve your offering. Why it's important to find kindred souls and what to do when the phone doesn't ring. Jane's best advice is to learn to touch type. It will make sense when you listen. So let's do that now. Hi, Jane. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me,
0: Rob. I'm delighted to have you here today and to to learn about your journey as you've gone to create People Jigsaw and how, indeed, you intend to move it along in the future. Mm-hmm. So I'd love it if you could start by telling us a bit about your background.
1: Um, oh, i all cracking for... How far do you want the crystal of to go back? <laughs> um, I, I mean, uh, uh, I, I could actually start from, from now as opposed to start from the beginning because you, sure. so, you sort of have these midlife crises. And I say crises because, yes, there's one at the big four O, but then you have one at 45, then at 48, then at 50. And I've probably had one at 32. And actually, you know, what is midlife? And actually, what is a crisis? It isn't a crisis. It's just a reflection. And I had a reflection a few years back that I had been working for over 40 years, and it, it was quite a shock. Um, I thought, 40 years, good grief, that in itself is a lifetime, and it makes you look at what you've done. Um, it makes you look at where you are, and it certainly makes you look to the future. And you know, without casting any aspersions on any employment I've had, you know, you go further up the the food chain. You actually recognise that there are more pressures, more stresses, more commitments, and you do actually think about not slowing down but taking a different pace, being more reflective and that's probably what led me to to self-employment. That's in the fact I was very, very privileged to uh, join Chester Zoo in 2014 as their head of HR and was quite pivotal in taking the zoo forward and at that stage it was developing um, a concept called Islands. Um, It was to basically increase the size of the the zoo um, and its contribution to conservation by a third again, uh, and that needed more people it needed a culture change it needed lots of things and i was I was very very um honest to be part of that journey um so much so that I ended up being appointed the first hr director of the zoo and it was in 2014 fifteen a nominated u k number one zoo and it still holds that title and really? it, it's difficult not to um Not to see that as a pinnacle. So where do you go from a pinnacle? And I thought, actually, it's a portfolio career. And I thought, what's a portfolio career? Uh, And that's how People Jigsaw was born. If you you think about a jigsaw, um, every piece is unique. If you think about building a jigsaw, you normally start with the, the flat sides, building a framework. And that's almost like a, an organisational framework. And then you have to, to fit the pieces in properly. You can't force them in. You have to fit them in properly. And then once the jigsaw is complete, you have a complete picture. And that's how I view HR. That's how I view people. That's how Jigsaw and People Jigsaw came about. It's about solving people puzzles. That said, where, do I, where did I come from? I joined the army. I uh, was just 17 years of age. I was 16 and three quarters. I'd sat there for a couple of years. I had an ambition to move on to commission status. It didn't materialise as fast as I wanted. So I actually left, came out, and I joined the post office. And I was a postwoman. And I don't know what it is, but I also couldn't get rid of this army theme. So I actually went to join the then Territorials. So I had sort of tandem careers. I was a postwoman, plus I was also a private in the army, the Royal Signals, communicators. And um, I spent... 20 years in both environments, and it was only when you look back that you realize a promotion in the army would often lead to a change of responsibility in the post office, and it sort of leapfrogged from one to the other. Yeah, and I did gain a commission. Um, I worked my way through the ranks from private all the way up to major, and I had the honor of leading the squadron that I actually was a private in, so it was quite fantastic. <laughs> Quite an interesting time. Um, But then I decided that, you know, 20 years was enough contribution. I probably wasn't going to go any further. So I actually left that. And very quickly in the post office, I got promoted three times and I realised that my energy was slightly deflected. although I'd benefited from this cross functionality and exchange of skills and experience. I wasn't actually dedicated to the to the one prime source, i.e. My, my main employment. So interestingly enough, as I said, I got promoted three times. I had a variety of jobs and I don't know how I ended up, but I ended up working in the then post office uh, training and development uh, part of the post office. Um, so they had a clerical college, they had a technical training college, they had a management college. And again, lots of change. They introduced a project way of working. So very much based on an internal sort of market, an internal service provider market. So, you know, for the first time, the post office looked internally and said, you know, well, you are our HR function, but what value do you add? So it it was quite an interesting time. And that's how I sort of got into HR and people. I was part of the team that basically amalgamated 17 different types of HR units into a shared service centre. And I'm glad to say that the shared service centre still is in existence today, 17 years on. So post office was one. And then I, I then recognised that when I look back, because at the time I was doing a major restructure project and I had no alternative but to make my post redundant, <laughs> <laughs> which um, which I've actually done twice to myself. I've done myself redundant twice, but obviously with good with good reason, you know. And yes. and I think that shows. Um, well, I hope it shows that I'm a person of integrity. So I left the post office, and I had my first midlife crisis. So I set up a couple of companies. Uh, one of them was a Bulgarian development property development company, and I set that up because basically my endowments weren't performing. I thought, right, I'm going to go off now and. Um, uh, see if I can, you know, get a bit more to my pension part. Uh, the experience was absolutely abysmal. Um, so I set up my own co- company out there and, and ran that quite successfully for three years. I got out at the right time, just um, before the euro sort of uh, plummeted. And then I also set up um, a catering company and I had gone to a concert and I couldn't believe the lack of choice. It was burger, 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 burger. And I thought, crikey, this isn't very good. So long story cut short, I set up a company and I started in mobile catering and I ended up seven years later with a Chinese wagon, Indian, I did Mexican food and I had a juice bar, American pancake store. I think I have missed something out. Really, really exciting. Loved it. Yeah. Traveled travel the world, um, had a great team of people that worked for me, but uh, then I actually broke my ankle and I realised that when you're self-employed, you need a good number two. And so it sort of all brought into focus, succession planning, et cetera, et cetera. And I thought, actually, you are getting on, Jay, You know, you're getting a bit older. Perhaps you should go back and find contracted employment again. And, and, you know, stop doing this catering line. Because I tell you now, it is very, very hard work. Yep. <laughs> and you're on your feet all the time. So I, I, I did go back. I, I sort of trawled around and thought, you know, what can I do? And I ended up going for a job interview with a charity. And it was a project with the Department of Work and Pensions. It was a precursor to the Fitnote. And they wanted an employment advisor. Long story cut short, they um, phoned me up and said, we don't want you as an employment advisor, but would you come and lead the team? So I ended up leading a team of employment advisors. And it was really odd because trying to look after people, people, they, they are worse than trying to herd water into, into a sheep pen. They were just unbelievable. <laughs> Having said that, creative, passionate, absolutely up for any challenge and our challenge was basically um, it was identified from primary care source that people often presented at the the gp with stress and anxiety all sorts of symptomology and and when the 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 gp actually delved a little bit deeper it was normally based on an employment issue so the employment advisors were there to sort of act as a precursor to them being referred into counseling and it was a fantastic project i'm glad i was part of it And, and actually Literally, that 80-20 split, it was proven 80%. Once you solve that employment problem, they were good to go. So that oh. was that was quite interesting. It was a short-term sort of contract. Having said that, they extended me and put me on another contract. And I thought, actually, it's time time to move on to something to get a little bit more stable. At the time, I was in a local gym. Um, you, you do HR, don't you? Yes, I do. Well, we've got an HR job coming up. And I, I found myself working in hospitality, which... Is really, really interesting because what you do as a people person directly impacts on the bottom line because it's directly impacting on a guest journey. So if you don't smile and if you don't present and if you you're not 100 percent customer focused, then, you know, they're not going to repeat. They're not going to come back. They're not going to give you a good review. So I I worked for them for uh, a number of years. I actually ended up completely reorganising the way they worked because it was a regional post. And I ended up working ultimately as a deputy uh, general manager in one of the hotels. So I, I sort of have this thing about moving backwards and forwards and people to operation to people to operation. And I think it's because I, I don't do maintenance very well, Rob. I like to go in. I like to change things. I like people to gain ownership. And then once they've got that, Um, it's time to depart.
0: Move on. Yeah, absolutely. I I think there's, you know, there's a great link as well between HR or people functions and operations. You know, I think, you know, in in some of the work that I've done over the years, you need both teams in the same room in order to to, to find the right solution uh, because it's, it's a slightly different angle on it. But effectively, they're, they're both people focused departments, and yeah, it all, all needs to come together. so I, I must jump in there because there's so much that you've, you've covered and I don't miss I don't want to miss some some key points there. but in, in terms of the army experience that you had, uh, I dare say that was a very much a people focused role. Um, and you know, so is that where you say you you found your passion for working with people and helping to shape people and, and move them in the right direction?
1: I, I think you know, there's there's, there's a misnomer often um, uh, displayed when you talk about uh, military or, or you know any of the forces, fire brigade, ambulance service, any any of those uh, quasi uh, military organisations. What you've got to remember is that you are dependent on each other. Um, there's a symbiosis there that, that that has to work. You know, yes, I, I have seen active service and actually it, it brings home to bear all that that training that you put in. But actually in training, you know, you're doing it for a reason and a rationale. And that's about making sure that you as an individual can operate a, enough to actually support your, your colleagues. Yeah. And, and yes, that does engender camaraderie. And I, I think, you know, even in a... A civil environment you know if people know that they are valued people will engage people will be more productive people will be happier and and actually you know if you if you don't invest in your people you know with time energy and effort then they're, they're, they're going to be disconnected they're, they're not you know going to be present <laughs> nine to five uh, and that, that's what you need you need that presence so yes it, army any of the forces, it does give you a routine, it does give you a regime. I I think it took me a long, long time, for example, to to stop saying, say again, Um, because, you know, on a radio sort of uh, call, you you don't say pardon or excuse me, you say, say again over, and it took me years to stop saying it. It took me years, (laughs) years to stop saying the 24-hour clock, but... You know some of the systems and processes and procedures and practices have been with me all through my life, and they always will be. <laughs> but ben- yeah. benefit from
0: that. Absolutely, there's nothing wrong with the 24-hour clock, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, brilliant stuff, and I-, I love how you've you've reflected and how you've framed, you know, crisis or you know th- those mm. kind of those moments as a reflection as well because I, I think that is so key and I'm I'm a bit younger than you as you know of course but I, I think those moments of reflection do come in in, in life every few years yes. you know and potentially from a younger age as well where you think oh okay where am I am I where I want to be and yes. if I'm not then how do I get there so I think it's a, it's a great point and, and again in terms of you know the the, the pressure the pace that can come in a senior role that isn't necessarily or not necessarily even the senior role in a busy role as well yeah. that isn't necessarily aligned to the the pace of life that you might choose to have you know mm-hmm. at, at any given time so I, I i love how you've you've framed those things and have and have taken action as well you know and, and taken action to, to make it different so and and indeed the other really Key point that I noted down here was around, you know, the pinnacle of of, of your work at Chester Zoo and how mm. you thought, okay, I'm I'm not going to beat that in in terms of you know a, a similar type of role. So you know, let's do something different. And yeah, the, the branding around People Jigsaw and, and, and what you've created there, I, I think is fabulous. So if we can talk about that a bit, I, I, I'd love to hear what was the, the basis. I understand the decision of, of why you came to create People Jigsaw, but how, when you came to shape it and, and think about the solutions and the problems that you'd solve um, and for whom, you know, how, how did that strategy come about? For
1: me, I, I think it's about team HR. And I've always called my team, team HR. And if if you haven't got the right people doing the people stuff, then you're not going to have impact. You're not going to get any influence. You're not going to get a seat at the top table. And I'm not saying that, that every personnel or HR assistant is going to make it to the top. But actually, that there are some basics that you have to learn. And, you know, I, for example, um, particularly remembered when my, my partner had a pension pack posted to them and they've misspelt the name. And I thought, how can you get that basic wrong? And of course, that immediately tears away any shred of respect you might have had for that team. It immediately sort of um, puts it into a a negative context. And I think for me, it, it isn't just about providing people services and solving people puzzles. It's about making sure that I have impact and influence on HR teams. I, I give, a, uh, for example, um, I had a phone call at the blue. Can you help us with a particularly difficult sort of investigation? We're all a bit too close to it. Yes, yes, not a problem. And then I was amazed to find out that there was an HR manager on site. But when I actually spoke to that manager, I realised that they weren't HR. They did a bit of payroll, a bit of office administration, took the bosses, uh, dry cleaning, whatever. You know, it, it wasn't just an HR role. Yep. I did the investigation. It wasn't particularly difficult because I think I think people are just overwhelmed at they don't know where to start. The is basically fact-facking missions. It's as simple as that. And at the end, I, I said to the um, HR manager, I said, you know, if, if you'd like, I'm, I'm happy to to go through some kind of professional reflection with you because it was interesting that right at the beginning, they'd made the mind up at what what was going to happen. I can't do that until the facts are presented. I haven't investigated. Let's, let's wait till we get to the... So we got some conclusion It was like... Wow. And, and you could see this person go through this journey and think, right, I didn't see that. I didn't hear that. I certainly didn't have that together. Actually, now I do have doubt. Actually, I do need to have, have this um, process based on fact. Thank you for doing it. So it was interesting to see, even in one journey, that person has changed. The personal reflection was, was very much based around, you know, you personally need to have some reflective practice. You need to build that in. So we... we, we ways to do that and i'm going to go back in and coach that person now i'm doing that pro bono i'm not doing it for class i'm doing it because i actually want to invest in my profession because i do believe that there's quite a lot of bad press out there (laughs) so i I did it not just to serve businesses and companies in in offering them uh, help advice solutions to their paper puzzles but it's also a way of actually looking at my own profession and, and trying to give something back. Because I, I think my profession has served me well over the years and it's time for me to give back.
0: No, absolutely. And uh, it's it's a really great point, isn't it? And the you know, even aligning that to, you know, how you made yourself redundant a couple of times in your early <laughs> career, I think <laughs> But it's it's true though, isn't it? Having that integrity and just best intentions, you know, in, in whatever yes. it is that you're you're doing. If if you're going in there with intentions to to help and to to solve somebody else's problem, then that reflects well on you. You know, mm. say so in in my contracts work, you know, I I go in almost from day one and think, okay, how can they get rid of me? You know, it it's just the way. It, it, it needs to be to say yes, you, you don't yes. need to be there for a day longer than you absolutely need to be until you've you've solved the problem and you've handed over as much knowledge as you can to the, the base team to then take that forwards because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like you you know I, I like to solve the problem and not not maintain you know there's a there's a short chapter in in project future about that about building something or maintaining it And it's different personalities like to work in a a different side of things, you know, and there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with the maintain journey or, you know, style of work. But it it works for some, whereas, you know, and and quite often people that work in the maintain side of things don't enjoy the project's work. You know, they they don't like the sometimes the slow pace of it, um, even though it can be very fast at the same time. Um, They don't like the uncertainty. So it's a completely different type of person that that decides to work in that space but but yeah I, I think to go in and say I'm going to help I'm going to do what I can um and you know make things better is is, is a great way to be and it's a great foundation for any business I think
1: and, and you know I'm, I'm a great believer in what goes around comes around and, and uh although I'm I'm uh, not into the um tribe, but you know there is something about the universe delivering if you deliver good it will deliver good back yeah it's a sort of pay it forward type situation I think
0: yeah, absolutely. So with your business, I know you, you there's a you know a range of solutions that you provide as part of that jigsaw, but I see you're reliant to something called World Host. So I wonder if you could you could touch on that and you know the benefits that that brings to your business. Yeah.
1: Well I actually was looking for a sort of a service solution for, for the zoom, just the zoo. And you know, to give you an idea, in order to have probably a, a solid base of three or four hundred seasonal workers, because the zoo obviously has peaks and troughs in its footfall. You would get chances of seasonals coming in, and it was about making sure they understood what the zoo was about. It was about making them understand uh, that they knew what the, the, the guest journey was about. Because at the end of the day, you know, it doesn't just start when they appear at the ticket booth. It, it actually starts beforehand. It starts with all the conservation projects. It starts with Obviously, um, being aware of the zoo, it starts with them travelling there, it starts with social media, and then when they do get to the zoo, it's about making sure they park safely, it's about making sure that those less able have got closer access to the zoo, it's about making sure that the ticket um, service and the entrances... And so this journey just goes on, and actually, yes, it's about the animals, yes, it's about the keepers and the curatorial staff, but it's about everyone else, and it's a massive organisation very intricately all joined together. So I was looking anyway for this customer service product and as it happened, one of the operation managers said, Oh, I, I think I know something and, I, and I'm sure that Blackpool do something, not Blackpool Zoo, uh, it was Blackpool Pleasure Beach. I said, come on, let's get in the car and go. So now we give the a presentation, um, we actually walked uh, around the Pleasure Beach, we actually talked to, to staff and actually you could see that the training was actually hundred percent successful. So with that in mind, I approached World Host. Um the most economical way for the zoo to deliver that was for me to get trainers in uh, on a part-time basis and I also trained myself in it. And over I think the space of two, the years we trained over a thousand people in, in certainly the World Host Ambassador course. Because of that that product and success, I, I, I just thought the whole suite of products were were, were great on diversity and inclusion. They have a retail management model they have the train the trainer model so um i actually have got the complete suite we will host you know i I believe in the credibility of the product and actually you know i I wouldn't put it on my signature box if i didn't believe in it (laughs) yes
0: (laughs) would you recommend something like this for people that are you know not necessarily in the same space as you but to look for almost an umbrella or, or something similar around them to help and, you know, in, in what ways do you think this can help? Does it does it drive clients? Does it give that uniformity of of, of process? Is it a, a networking thing for with other professionals? You know, and, and how can these type of things help somebody, you know, not be on their own, effectively? Because I think that's a lot of the challenge for, for people starting out is that they can often feel unsupported and, and something like this feels like it could, you know, and I say in different industries as well, it feels like it could be a really good solution for some people.
1: I think, first of all, you've got to decide, you know, where your, your skills are. And, you know, being a trainer, being up front is, is quite over and it doesn't it doesn't some people. I always remember being asked by one of my HR assistants many years ago, you know, you, you never seem to get nervous and you're full of energy when you go on stage. And, you know, how do you do it? I said, are you joking? I am nervous. And the day that I'm not nervous is the day not to train. And you, know, you, you have to be—you have to be mindful that on stage you're up at the front. You know, people are looking at you. You're the experienced one. You're the one that's got the knowledge. But actually, you know, you're also the one that's got the PowerPoint button as well. So you can't control of it. <laughs> so you know, yes, I, I think all of those things, Rob. It gives you a network. It certainly, for me, is given credibility. Um, you know, I don't just deliver X from a child perspective. I can deliver a whole raft of skills to yep. to um. A uh, customer uh, and actually you know sometimes you can pick a mixed mix bits. so you can have a little bit of ambassador plus actually you can have a little bit of um, bespoke management training leadership training actually what we can do here is we, we can run a, a, a course and I'll actually draft that course myself and I'll write it you won't be under world host watch world host and so actually you've got this connection between the two I, I certainly have built um, a network up through world host you know not just from a professional perspective but a personal one because I think sometimes you know, when you are going freelance, you just think business, business, business. And actually, you also need to think about kindred souls. You need to think about somebody that you can trust and bounce ideas off. You know, when I first started, well, I'll be quite honest, You know, how the hell do I pitch this proposal? Where do I start with it? What do I charge for X, Y or Z? And actually having somebody that you can talk to professionally is fab. Having said that, do be careful that you're not in each other's regional areas and you're not competing with each
0: other. That's another story. <laughs> yes
1: but in the same instance as well you know it's about well actually I can see why you've charged that and actually I like the concept I like the way you've done that I mean I put a proposal together recently and to uh, retain clients on site and I also do telephone support as well and and I actually said to them look these these are the services I provide having said that I think you really want some presence but to have it one day every week might not be right for you very cost conscious company I can get that why don't you have a blended approach? Why don't you have me for two days a month uh, and do a little bit of telephone work? And, and that's, that's what's happened. They've, they've actually accepted that as a proposal. So it gives you opportunity to perhaps think in a different way if you've got a, an idea to bounce. And I, I told my HR network, I presented this, which is my standard shopping list of services, suggested they take a blended approach and they they go, oh we like that we never
0: thought of that and it, it's as simple as that as just sharing that it is and I, I think it's you know working with others and you know finding those people in your space and it, it's a funny old relationship you're not in the same company and when, when you are potentially dealing with competitors but mm. the, they're also collaborators or potential collaborators yes. And, yes. and 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 people that have chosen to you know, follow the same path that you have, in many respects. So I've, I've found over the last couple of years, that the amount of people that I've bumped into, you know, that at the early part of my journey, I'm, you know, I'm not ashamed to say I would have kept, you know, the future methods to myself, you know, because before it had been published, or that kind of thing, and probably even that was a mistake because it was, it was highly unlikely they were going to, yeah. you know, nick it and, <laughs> and start yeah. pub- publishing yeah. it as their own. Yeah. But, uh, but, but now, you know, it's, whenever I meet somebody that's in a similar space to me, my first thought is the energy and the the opportunity to talk about things that we're, we're both passionate about. And then of course, further down the line, there's the potential to collaborate as well and and, and work together and, and potentially share a piece of, of, of work or, or, Push something over that isn't quite right for me, or the timing doesn't quite work for. So, so yeah, I think there's there's so many benefits with finding those kindred souls, you should put it, and to you know, and to to share those ideas for for mutual growth. And I, I think the 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 openness there often, not always, but often, you know, outweighs any any risk of of competition effectively sorry i've got a frog in my throat as well now <laughs> so it, it, it's brilliant uh what we've what we've covered so far i'd i'd just like to go on a slightly different angle in terms of if the phone doesn't ring so for a for a new business owner you know if someone's there they've set up their business say three six nine months and they've, they've not necessarily had the, the impact or the volume of clients that they would hope for. So what would you suggest for somebody if, if they find themselves in that position?
1: I think for me, it's, it's about the mindset. And you have to think of every interaction as, as a possible uh, link to a client or business. And I know that sounds a bit odd, but I'll give you an example. I moved into a new property about uh, 18 months ago. And obviously every new property has a snag list. Um, A professional tradesman came in and um, there were some marks on the kitchen cupboards um, and they're glossy cupboards and it needs a special type of lamination and it was all very complex. anyway, knock at the door. Hello, I'm the snag doctor. Oh, come on in. So I watched this book work at a a very, very slow, steady, patient, patient, layer upon layer of this lacquer was put on and dried, and of course, I can't help it. I talk to people. no No, he said, I, I just thought it was a good thing to do. He says, and Now he says, this is my company, I've got five employees, and I'm thinking about taking on more and doing a franchise. There was my golden opportunity. Do you need an HR person? <laughs> so you have to remember that every interaction, anywhere you go, anything that you do, I went to him on one That's of my main walks that we're all doing, Went for a walk, talked to, to one person I see. I go one way the route, they go another. Um, another chap walked past with his dog with one of these um, collars on. The poor dog had had an operation, so he chatted. And thought, Oh, I'm walking your way, walk with me. So in 200 yards, I recognised which house was his house down his lane. And I recognised that they always had the dog stands outside. And I thought, they're not doing work on the house. That must be his business. And lo and behold, yep. he's a businessman. And lo and behold, he's got thirty blokes. And lo and behold, they haven't got a handbook, and they don't read it. They've got a good contract, a deployment. So guess what? Business card came out. Now I'm on a walk with a backpack on. I don't know my business card. Yeah. And and that's what you have to think of. Everywhere you go, everything you do, even if you're just picking up a cup of coffee from a coffee shop, and you know you can see that, that person is moaning or groaning about something. Even offer to help on an individual level because you don't know that person might be doing a summer job, they might move on. You've just got to think every interaction is an opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's great. Um, it it really is. And it they're two fabulous examples of just what's there. And, you know, even when the the coffee shop example there, you know, it, it could be a case of of getting in touch, you know, with almost as customer feedback um on on LinkedIn yeah. or, you know, find find the HR manager on LinkedIn and say, you know, I had interaction, it wasn't great. Is there a way I can help? You know, it's like in, in that type of scenario, I think, yeah, being switched on at all times and seeing problems that and being the solution to that problem, I think in you know in whatever industry you're in, I think is a, is, is a really fabulous example. So, well, thank you so much, Shane. It's, it's been great speaking with you. And before we go, there's four questions that I ask every guest. So I, I'd love for you to share your best advice for somebody thinking about starting a business today.
1: Um, well, I've always said it's learn to type. Um, and, and by that, you know, technology, we're all dependent on it, but you know, to have the ability to touch type um, and, and to get things out there pretty quick, I think is essential. Having said that, we do have pretty good voice recognition now. But what I'm trying to say is think about the most efficient and expedient way to work. So, you know, if you can embrace technology, then for goodness sake, keep at the head of it because things are changing. I mean, look, for example, at the technology we're, we're using today, it, it's moved at a phenomenal pace. Uh, and actually, Make sure that you get all the efficiency you possibly can because you need to concentrate on your prime business. What is your prime aim in your business? It's not to transcript an investigation meeting because you can record it, you can send it off for transcription, it can come back literally within an hour. So don't okay. waste your time on, on doing inefficiencies. Be efficient. And I, I used the example learn to touch type, but you, what I'm trying to do is pick your efficiencies when, when you work.
0: I love it. Uh it's a it's a great example as well and uh and a memorable one. I I think, you know, it's uh it's certainly something that, that will stick in my brain. So no, brilliant. And uh what do you know now that you wish you knew earlier on in your journey? I won't necessarily say, you know, when you started people jigsaw, but earlier on in your journey.
1: I think I think everybody at any point in their lives will, will suffer from imposter syndrome, but I think one of the things I've learned is that confirmations do work. Um, you know, and if if that's just getting up in the morning saying, I'm a happy soul, I'm a happy soul, I'm a happy soul. But face faith confirmation, it works. And I think the neuroscience behind it tells it that it works. So if I had known that earlier, I think I would have been practicing daily confirmation much
0: sooner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a good one. It's something I need to learn more on. I must say, it's something that I need to do more of. So, uh, I've I've had a couple of conversations recently with with people that have said similar things. So, Ooh. yes, there's there's definitely more to do, and there's always improvements to be made, isn't there? Even if they're small, you know, it might only be for a couple of minutes in the in the morning, as yeah. you know, as part of a routine or whatever it may be. But but yeah, there's 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 always a way that we can we can make a small change that can, can make a big difference. So
1: uh, I, I must admit, I, I was uh, very lucky when I was I was supported to not only uh, you know embrace World Host training and become a, a trainer through that, but you know I actually set up time. There's something in this mindfulness, you know, well, if there is, you better go off and get self trained in it. Um, so I, I I am now a fully qualified meditation trainer. So I can I can train people in all forms of meditation so I can, on with the best of them, but in the same instance I, I can also you know uh, shape what I call the the power of three, and and if you think about the power of three, you know we can go without food for three weeks, we can go without water for three days, we can't survive on on anything you know anything other than three minutes of oxygen, but in three deep, meaningful still breaths you become grounded and you're back in the present. And the power of three to me is is what I've learned through going through that, that meditation training. The example I used to use at the zoo was the queue's hanging out the door. It's, you know, it's fish and chips. Fish and chip Friday, everybody's queuing up at the zoo. There's a queue hanging out the door. Well, what does the catering assistant do? And I always used to say, just turn your back away, take three breaths, come back to the counter and say, thank you so much for waiting. So you've turned what could be a potentially negative situation into positive. But the same instance, you're back grounded and you feel fit to carry on.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And uh, yeah, that it's those small interactions, isn't it? You know, often that make the difference. Is there a resource that you'd, you'd recommend, either in your industry or, you know, more generally?
1: I think the thing is that there's, there's a whole raft of books sitting in, in that bookshelf. And, you know, I think it's about um, almost picking flavour of the month. So um, I'm going to be quite broad spectrum here, I'm not going to recommend one. I'm going to recommend that you, you do read. I'm going to recommend that you carry out research. Um, and I do recommend that you invest in your own development. Because if you don't, um, you know, you, you won't be at the, the, the cutting edge, you won't be able to deliver at your best. And I also think there's, a, there's an old saying about friends come into your life for a season, a reason or a lifetime. And I think that's very true with with any supporting products that you have. I mean, in my time, you know, I've used podcasts, you know, mindfulness podcasts. In my time, I've subscribed to to different social media channels. In my time, yes, I've read literally hundreds of books. Um, but there's nothing, one thing that can actually say, this, this is the Bible for you. Um, I think you have to think about the concept, a season, a reason, a lifetime. And actually, you will change, your needs will change throughout your life. So, don't just
0: think of one brilliant Now, uh, it's it's a great point that you make as well in terms of investing in yourself and back in episode six glenn wilson you know spent a good few minutes on that and you know spoke mm. about how he's invested in in himself to stay ahead effectively to to, mm. to, st- to stay ahead of the competition and to be in a position where you know you become the answer um and you know people aren't seeing you as, as, as dated or, you know, it's, it's easy to think of in a technology space to being kind of behind the curve, but I, I think it can work in many, many different scenarios. So, yeah, really great point. And, and finally on the questions, is there a guest that you'd recommend uh, for a future episode of the show?
1: I, I certainly would have recommended Krista, but Krista recommended me. So we've, we've, got, <laughs> we've, we've got a good uh, mutual respect there. Excellent. I, I would actually, I'd recommend uh, Gaynor Black. I actually worked with Gayna Black when I went to the the MIA Golf Resort and Spa. She is hospitality marketing expert. She is an absolute force to be contended with, but um, she has remained my mentor since then, or one of my mentors, um, and I have absolute huge respect for um, how she's developed her business. And I I couldn't think of a a more energetic person to have in the show.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Okay, no, that's brilliant. Thank you. I look forward to getting in touch with Gainer and and hopefully having having that energetic conversation. So, yeah, brilliant, <laughs> br- brilliant stuff. And uh, and just finally, if people want to find out more about you and People Jigsaw, where should they go and what should they do?
1: Well, certainly, don't forget the www.peoplejigsaw.co.uk. Um and obviously I, I'm on LinkedIn. I must admit my personal profile has probably got more connections than my, my professional one. Um and I think the only reason for that is is time. I I think again, perhaps one of my top tips is is don't just think about the now, think about the future. Yes, have your, your three month plan, your one year plan. I, I know that I've I've got year three coming up uh, and I've set myself a, a personal challenge and it's about starting a book. And it's not about a, a book much like yours, Rob. It's about personal experience, because I actually think I could write a book about the memoirs of an HR manager because I've come across some things in my time.
0: Definitely. Um,
1: and it would be a shame not to to capture those experiences so that, so that others in my profession can learn. <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking of some of the instances. For example, one of the chapters is entitled Tea Trays at Dawn. <laughs> Excellent. A, I've parted two grown men uh, who were belting each other with a, with a service tray um, and, and they were arguing over a tablecloth.
0: Brilliant stuff. Do you have a name for the book yet?
1: Um, I would call it Memoirs of an HR Manager or Tea Trays at Dawn. So, anyway, yeah. I
0: nice Yes, I've I've really enjoyed it. It's been great fun, and uh, thank you so much for sharing your story and and such brilliant uh, advice and and tips. You know, it's been a lot of fun. So thank you so much. My
1: pleasure.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Firstly, a point around Jane's branding people jigsaw. Back in episode twenty one, Vicky Young gave us a masterclass on what makes a good brand, and I think Jane's got it spot on here. It's clear, fun, and instantly creates a story in mind about both a problem and how she solves it. Moving on to the conversation itself, I love Jane's point towards the end about seeing every interaction as a link to a potential client. It's easy to overlook, but I think that's a great example of the entrepreneur mindset and creating opportunities that otherwise wouldn't exist. Also to touch on her point about going from a career pinnacle to a portfolio career. This is something I've done myself over the last couple of years, and it's becoming more and more popular as both a career and lifestyle choice. If it's something you're thinking about doing, I suggest firstly looking at what you're known for and how you can channel this into a solution. For example, Jane is known for developing people and the resulting improvements to customer experiences that that enables. On the other hand, I'm known for helping people and organizations to deliver better projects, which results in empowering them to make a greater impact. The second step is to understand the various routes you can monetize this before going on to prioritize these options, create goals, and develop a plan to achieve those goals. I'd love to hear about any experiences of this that you have. On next week's episode, I speak with the fantastic Joanna Robin, who I was honored to have write the foreword in Project Future. She explains about flourishing as an introvert, So subscribe now as it's not to be missed. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.